Anyone who's come here, Lord, that maybe feels hopeless in their life, maybe they feel broken, like they've lost, I pray, Lord, that you would feel them today, that you would give them that peace that passes all understanding that only you can give. Be with those that are out sick, Lord. Be with anybody, Lord, that is fighting this virus right now, Lord. Father, I pray that you would heal the churches in America. As the numbers have gone down, Lord, because of, uh, because of this pandemic, I pray, Lord, that you would restore these churches, Lord, with the hope that only Jesus can bring. Help us to be that light, Lord, that you told us to be, to be the salt, Lord, that hasn't lost its Savior that you've commanded us to be, Lord. Help us to go out and to reach the lost and the dying, Lord, to reach those that don't have any hope and to show them, Lord, what kind of hope is in Jesus. Father, I pray that you would anoint Brother Marvin again this morning, Lord. Use him as a vessel as he opens the word of God, Lord, and he preaches the word of truth. I pray that you would use it, Lord, like a sharp two-edged sword, Lord, to pierce our hearts and to show us where we lack, Lord. And that, Lord, that when we leave this place, we won't leave and just forget everything we heard or that we did here, Lord, but that we would go and take Jesus, Lord, to our friends, our family, our co-workers, into the world, Lord. Bless us this morning, Lord, as we continue our worship. We ask in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hey. Well, good morning, church, and it is good to be here with you. Thank you for the sweet spirit. You know, I was thinking how we can so easily forget sometimes and take things for granted, but the worship is always so good, and it's just always so prepared and ready. And Jonathan, I was praying and thinking just now as you were worshiping, I thank God that he brought the Lewis family our way. How about y'all? And I'm thankful for Jonathan and Alicia and their family. But, you know, when we got them, we had, we had a quintet of, of, of Lewis boys up here this morning. But, you know, here lately, we've had justice. God moved him on, and he's over there worshiping and leading worship at um, First Baptist now, our neighbors. And... You know, it's easy for us just to think Jonathan can sing. He's a good guitar player. But Jonathan is more than that. I've been watching him for a while. Jonathan is a leader. And not everyone is a leader that can play a guitar. He knows how to motivate. He knows how to bring people together. He's a team captain, which is very rare. And Jonathan, I thank you. I don't worry anymore. I don't know how he's going to do it. He's got an unbelievable network of people like Vincent and all of these friends. He always finds this guitar. He even somehow convinced Josh to play the drums. I didn't think that would ever happen again. But one thing about him, he's, connect, he's committed to do what God called him to do. And I just want to thank you, Jonathan. And I, I appreciate you more than you know. You know, today, talking about commitment, you ever felt God give you an assignment? You said, okay, Lord, and about halfway into the assignment, you wished you hadn't. Well, that's kind of what he did me as we're going to be finishing up the book of Revelation, these seven messages. About two and a half months ago, he put on my heart, he, he impressed upon me this assignment to preach the seven messages of these seven churches. And never having really looked at them real deep, kind of preached them here and there, I was like, yeah, that'll be good. That's good preaching. And about two or three Sundays in, I was like, Lord, I wish I wouldn't have done this. 
And I was trying to get out and figure out. And I, be honest, I didn't like preaching on some of those messages that those churches had received from Jesus. And the day I was coming and I was celebrating in the truck because I got through right before my last sermon, the church of Liceo Decia will be preaching here in a minute. And I'm like, Lord, I got through it because you're faithful. You helped me. I, didn't wanna, I couldn't have done it without you. And I'm thankful that I got through. And the Spirit began to realize, helped me to realize, that no one needed to hear these messages. No one needed what I learned from these studies more than me. <laughs> and you know what I come to find when the Word of God is beginning to do its work in you? A lot of times our first instinct is to resist it when we ought to receive it. And I thank God today that I'm a little different than I was, a lot different, seven messages ago because of what the Word of God did in my life. I hope it's doing that to you because I'm going to tell you what, it's not always easy to receive what Jesus has to say. And today as we're going to be looking at the church of Laodicea, it'll come on here in a minute, I'm still on, he loves me. Thank God of that. But um, as we are going to be looking at that, I invite you to turn to the book of Revelations chapter um, 3. And we'll go ahead while they're getting that ready and read it together. If you look with me here, we've looked at all the seven churches. This is the last one. And we're going to read it together. It says, to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father in heaven, I just ask your blessing over this time today. That you would open ears to hear. That you would make hearts willing to let you in. That what we hear, Lord, would waken us from the comfortable, blind condition that many of us has allowed ourselves to get into. And that you might awaken this morning your church. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we look at this. We've been looking at the seven letters to the seven churches. We've looked at each church. Last week was the church that you want to be, the faithful church, the church of Philadelphia. It was the church that Jesus didn't have anything to condemn. Well, this church is the only church that Jesus didn't have anything to commend. 
All the other churches, as bad off as some of them were, with all the things that he condemned them for, he still had things that he commended them for, but there's not one commendation to this church. There's one thing good Jesus had to say to it. And if the church of Philadelphia, the faithful church, is the church you want to be, this church is the church you don't want to be. I call it the comfortable church. Some people call it the lukewarm church. You know, as we begin to look at this, we just read the problems revealed in these seven churches are remarkably exactly the same problems that face the churches today. I've been pastoring three churches. I've been trying to be the church since I got saved. You see, you don't say, ooh, that's the kind of church I want to go to. I want to go to that faithful church. No, you got to say, this is the kind of church I want to be. Because if everyone just wants to go to church, there will be no church worth going to. <laughs> so we got to be the church. And guys, yeah, you want to be the church of Philip. This is the church you don't want to be. As we looked, I want you to see these problems haven't changed. We started off in Ephesus where we were experienced the danger of losing our first love. That love when you first get saved and you meet Jesus and Jesus is first. And who hasn't struggled with that and Ephesus had all these good things going on but they had lost their first love and then we seen over in Smyrna the danger of being afraid of suffering for Jesus and guys there is a a a a thing about it who likes to suffer who wants to go through persecution but guys listen being faithful to Jesus sometimes involves a willingness to accept sufferings in the name of Christ and we seen that in that and how much do we see? You hear people today with some of the things going on in the political climate that we live in, that, oh, we're going to get suffering again. Has America ever had suffering? Not like most people think. <laughs> but guys, we've seen that they were suffering in the name of Jesus. Then you look at Pergamos, the danger of doctrinal defection. They defected from the truth of God's word. They compromised. That was the compromising church. And how you're tempted sometimes. If it'll keep me from suffering, I might could compromise. If I don't step up, if I don't talk about Jesus, if I don't witness for Jesus, maybe my friend will like me more. Maybe my neighbor won't get mad if I would quit talking about God. But friends, listen, there is a doctrinal temptation to defect but then we've seen the danger of moral departure and guys if we ever lived in an age when the church has departed from the moral standard of thus says the lord and god's readings of, of truth and righteousness we are in those days you struggle with it every day and then there's also the danger of spiritual deadness that we've seen at the church of sardis even the great church, the faithful church, the one that Jesus didn't find one thing to condemn for, he still warned them about the danger of not holding fast, not persevering, and losing your crown, everything you gained, your reward, all you work for. You're always one Sunday away from messing up. Because it doesn't take but a one big mess up to tear up a whole lot of good stuff. And then today we're going to look at perhaps maybe the worst of all, the danger of lukewarmness. You say, well, what is that? <laughs> well, as you begin to look, out of all the churches, Jesus had some things, some pretty harsh things to condemn them for, but he found things to commend them for, but this is the only one Jesus said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Jesus said, as a matter of fact, I know your works and they make me sick. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty heavy stuff, amen? Amen. 
I want you to think about this. These spiritual problems are just as prevalent today as they were in first century churches. They haven't went anywhere. There's still people in here today, you're struggling with your first love. Jesus ain't first. There's so many other things that has all your affection, all your attention, all your adoration. And if it gets to a point where you love things more than Jesus, that's called idolatry. And we struggle with that. And there's some of us who, man, you ain't going to suffer for Jesus no matter what. You'll compromise in a minute if it'll make it easier. We struggle with that. Some of us are corrupted. We have things in our life. We've departed from the truth and we have morality, immorality in our life this morning. We've been looking at stuff we shouldn't look at and we've been doing things and we shouldn't do. So all these things are still here. And some of us, to be honest, we ain't felt the Holy Spirit's presence in us in a very long time. I mean, we just go to church, we're trying to get by, but the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all that supernatural fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit when He's free to rule and reign in our life is not really where you are. And we want to be the faithful church. And we try to be the faithful church. But guys, listen, sometimes I think we end up being this lukewarm church. What is the lukewarm church? The lukewarm church, when you look at here, is a spiritually is a church who is content with their material wealth at the cost of being unaware of their spiritual poverty. When you look at this church, they said, we're rich, we don't need anything. We're good. They were lukewarm. You know what they were? They were comfortable. And we have created a whole church culture that people are seeking, hopping from church to church, looking for a church, not that is holy, not that is righteous, not that's on fire and hot for, but where they and their family can be comfortable. We want a preacher that's going to preach what we want to hear. We want the music. We're looking for, we, we, we kind of like Goldilocks, looking for that bed that's just right. We want that church that's going to tickle our ears, that's going to make us feel good about our spiritual condition, no matter what that condition may be. We want to be comfortable. We want to be just right. And friends, listen. This church was content with the material wealth. They said, we're rich. We're dressed well. You know, one commentator said it like this. This is how he described it. The church at Laodicea is is typical of a modern church which has become content with beautiful buildings and all the material things that money can buy while remaining unconscious of its spiritual needs and their spiritual poverty. Friends, look at what he says right here. Jesus says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. I wish you was hot or I wish you was cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And they say, because I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are. Look at these words. Jesus used some pretty harsh words to describe the condition of lukewarmness. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Friends, you think about that. That's pretty tough. And what does it mean to be lukewarm? It means that you're okay. You never feel you're in need. You never feel you're short. You don't feel you're missing it. You think you're okay. You're happy because you got a blessed You got a home, 
you got clothes, you got money. All that's good things. But guys, listen, what about spiritually? What about where you are with Christ? Are your prayers being answered? Do you even have a prayer life? Is the word of God speaking into your life? I love what Jonathan shared. The word of God is active in his life. That's why he's able to be active for Jesus and make a difference in people's lives around him. Is the word of God penetrating your heart and changing your life? Or do you just go to church and stay the same and you're lukewarm and okay with it? Because that's what he's talking about. You see, lukewarm. If, if it's cold, if cold would mean that it's to the extreme of wicked and evil. Um, to be cold, you're so far from God. You're away from God because you have deep, abominable, sinful things in your life. Most of us aren't that. But hot would be, I'm hot with God. I have a burning passion and a zealous zeal to live for him, to seek his face, to experience his presence, and to have him actively in my life. Most of us don't have that either. We're just in the middle, lukewarm, going to church, and we're totally okay with that life. May I tell you, to be lukewarm may be normal today, but it's abnormal in the Christian life. To be zealous and on fire and to be totally sold out to Jesus where he's first, where you'll suffer for him, where you'll never compromise, where you're not corrupted, where you're not dead and you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you walk with life, faithful to wherever he tells you to go. Whatever door he opens, you're willing and able to go because you're spiritually connected to Christ is the normal life. It's not the abnormal. And friends, today as we begin to look and we see, Jesus said, you're wretched, miserable. Guys, listen, they didn't even see it. They seen themselves as, we're doing fine. We're so blessed, and we are blessed in America. You ought to thank him for a house. You ought to thank him for nice clothes. You ought to thank him for a meal. You ought to thank him for all those things in this life. But guys, never be so concerned and consumed with this life that you forget about the heavenly spiritual things that Christ wants to do in our life. And friends, listen, as we begin to look at this, look at what Jesus says to them. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not follow, do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I don't know about y'all, but can you imagine being naked in front of Jesus? I mean, how many of you is getting to the point now, you don't like to see yourself naked? If you looked in the mirror like that, would be a terrible thought to stand before Jesus naked. Or to be able, you might be glad you're blind. I shared this, and Elena kind of got embarrassed, but she's okay now. She said I could go ahead and share it again. Elena, when she first started coming to church, I was preaching a series on things to come, eschatology, end times, and when I was hammering on the rapture and all that stuff, and she got all enamored with the rapture, and y'all know Elena, she loves Jesus, but she gets to looking all this stuff up, well, she got to watching those Left Behind movies, and she's all tore up about the rapture, and David comes to me, and says, you need to talk to Elena, 
you got her all tore up on this rapture. She's about to drive us crazy. He said, I don't want you to wash it or tone it down, but go in there and try to explain to her that it ain't something you got to lose sleep over. It ain't something you ain't got to. She's worried to death about the rapture. So she comes in my office, and I'm like, Elena, what's wrong? But what are you worried about? She said, Brother Marvin, when the rapture happens, are we going to be able, are we going to have to stand in front of Jesus naked? And I said, why, Elena, do you think that? Well, I watched that movie, and when they raptured out, their clothes were just laying there. What are they wearing when they see Jesus? Friends, I don't know about you. I'm amen with Elena. I don't never want to stand before Jesus naked. How about you? But spiritually, if you haven't been to Calvary, if you haven't been clothed in his righteousness, and your religious rags, which are filthy according to the word of God, no matter how many good works you do in his name, You'd rather be naked than wear that. And friends, I told her, I said, Elena, don't worry, hon. Jesus is so holy, we can't wear these kind of clothes. He's going to put white robes on us. How it happens, I don't know. But guys, listen, that's what he's telling them here. I counsel you, I advise you to buy gold, not any old gold, refined gold, pure gold, the kind of gold that only God does, purity, purified, refined He says, and then go get you some white robes and cover your nakedness. Go get you some eye salve from me. Only God, only Jesus can give you eyes to see, my friend. I can't do it. Mama can't do it. Your husband can't do it. The church can't do it. Only Jesus gives us the eyes to see spiritual things. I love that old song. Amazing grace, how great the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus does that. And friends, listen, there's people today haven't seen anything from Jesus lately. You haven't heard anything lately. You're just kind of sitting around. I call it comfortably blind. I want you to look at this. Comfortably blind to their condition. That's what these people were. They had no idea this is how they were in the eyes of Jesus. He says, Because you say I am rich, that's what they were saying, I've become wealthy. I don't need anything from you, Jesus. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you got desperate to need something from Jesus to the point you just got down on your face and cried, help me, Lord. I'm not quitting. I'm going to pray it through like he said Israel did. Not Israel, Isaac. But them prayers made Israel, (laughs) Jacob. And friends, I want you to think about it. We aren't spiritually desperate. We're spiritually comfortable. If Trump would have won, America would have been worse possibly because we just thought Trump had it all figured out. Trump's going to make America great. He's going to make the economy good. He's going to make my 401s do good. Man, I got it made. I hope to tell you, Trump ain't never going to fix America's problem. America's problem starts at the spiritual. It ain't physical. America's got a God problem, not a president problem. And friends, listen to this. God is the one who helps us see. Look at what he says in verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me. You see, we need from Jesus. And he says, go refine that you may be rich. You'll never be rich from what you can get here. Jesus said, what if it profit a man to gain everything this world has to offer and lose his soul? 
And what does it profit a man to have salvation and not have all the best things salvation has to offer? The greatest thing about being saved is not only that you don't go to heaven, you get to go to heaven. The greatest thing about being saved is that you have a relationship with God to where you're in communion with him, to where you can hear his voice, where you can talk to him and he hears your voice. You have an open channel called prayer and you have a word that he takes, the Bible, and he speaks through the power of his Holy Spirit and he interrupts and he works and he moves in your life. I'm going to tell you what. There is a lot of comfort in Jesus, the good kind of comfort, to where you have peace beyond understanding, the kind of comfort to where you say, I know that God's going to take care of me but there's also, my friend, sometimes a discomfort because you don't get to live however you want. <laughs> you don't get to do whatever you want to do. God loves us too much for that. And that's what I want to talk about the next thing. He looked at them. He loved them. Friends, it's sad. does it sound like God loves them? Some people would say, hey, Jesus must not love me. He's making me feel bad. You know what? I'm going to say this. When Jesus rebukes you what we're fixing to look at and let's go ahead and see it he said be zealous and repent jesus said as many as i love i rebuke and i chasten therefore be zealous and repent the good news is all we got to do today is say lord i am lukewarm i have been living casual complacent comfortable christianity i ain't hot i don't pray like i should i don't care about hearing you know, from your word like i should i don't spend time with you like i should I'm out of fellowship. I'm not hot. I'm not cold. I'm just in the middle. Friends, all you got to do is repent. But you see, the thing about it, God won't leave you that way. He loves you enough to rebuke you. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I thank God he rebukes us. He rebuked me these seven weeks. I was fighting, kicking. I was kicking against the goats. I didn't want to preach these messages using the excuse that, well, I don't know. But it was me that didn't want to hear it. <laughs> I just didn't want to have to be the one to Listen to it, didn't have to come preach to you. But listen, he said, I rebuke and I chase and I correct. How many of you, if your kid is doing something wrong, <laughs> loves him enough to correct him and rebuke him? This cracked me up. I was over at Jonathan's house the other day. And he moved into Parsonage and they put an alarm system in. And I said, y'all put an alarm system in? Are y'all scared living here? He said, no, we're not scared of what's going to get in. We're scared about here what might get out. <laughs> he said, we got this for in case they open the door, the alarm will go off because we'll know where Izzy and John and the rest of them are all at and might as well include Maddie too. And I said, yeah, I said, he said, you, the road and stuff. You know what? Thank God that he puts alarm systems in our life. That when we go through doors and we leave places, we ain't supposed, we're supposed to be in his presence in his surroundings, close to the Lord. But you know what? When you try to leave, he gives you alarms. He gives you preachers. He gives you the word. But guess what? When you don't listen to the alarm and you go outside anyway where you ain't supposed to be, he'll rebuke you. Now, you know what? I bet you if they get out and slip out and them little boogers slip out and they catch them out there in that road, they're going to rebuke them. They're going to get on to them. Why? Because they love them. They tell them, don't go out in the road. You get run over. You get killed. You know what? If they go in the road again, I got a feeling I know what will happen to me. You get a whooping. You get corrected. Why? Because there's danger in the road. Friends, listen. God chastens those who he loves. He corrects those who he loves. He's not going to let you sit in a lukewarm, casual, complacent spiritual condition where you don't have a relationship, where you're not in communion. He wants to have communion. He wants you to have a real relationship. 
So as many as I love, he says, I rebuke and I chasten. He says, so be zealous and repent. Turn from what you've been doing wrong and turn to me and do what's right. Listen what he says here. This comes from Hebrews. Check this out. He's not speaking to us as to condemn us. He's speaking to us to convict us. He says right here, and that you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and daughters, as to my children. And listen what he says. My son, do not despise the chastening, the correction of the Lord. Do not be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges. That's he whips every son which he receives. And then listen what he says. If you endure correction, God deals with you as with a son. For what son is there whom a father does not correct? And friends, God corrects his children. Listen what he says. But if you are without chastening of which have been all, all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not his son. Friends, I don't know about you, but you can't sit long term in a church comfortable and not be doing what God wants you to do. That's the warning. He loves them enough. He, re, he rebuked them. He told them, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He chastened them. He corrected them. Therefore, for they could be jealous and repent. I want to share. I shared this story. I'm telling on myself. When I was a kid, how many of you think, how many of you may not say it, you know, theologically, it's not wrong, that you can't hide anything from God. But how many of you have done things acting like God ain't seeing it? You keep doing it, but you act it, you ignore it. I know if I keep doing this, God ain't happy. I know it's going to create consequences. Consequences. Let me tell you about consequences. If you belong to God, God said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he shall reap. You can't reap things, I mean sow things that God says are wrong, and you can't quit and not do the things that God said is right and not have consequences. And, and when you're not hot, Living for Jesus, he's not first. You're in these conditions we see. These churches, the one that had lost its first love, he said, repent or else. The one that was not willing to suffer and compromised, he said, repent and get your doctrine right. The one that was corrupted and full of immorality, he said, repent and get yourself cleaned up. The one that was spiritually dead, he said, repent and I'll give you life again. Friends, the faithful church that was living for him, he said, I'm going to open doors for you. I'm going to use you. This church is the Laodicean church. Friends, one time when I was a kid, I was, well, I was old. I was old enough for the first time. I grew up in a little town called Madisonville. I had about 300 people. There was not anybody in that town at that day that didn't know one another. And, and I lived outside of Madisonville. And all my friends were in town, and they hung out during the summer. And I got old enough, Daddy said, you can drive your bike down there, but whatever you do, I don't want you to swim in that river. He said, your first cousin, my nephew, drowned in that river. And that's a dangerous. I don't want you swimming in that river. She funked the river, big old river. Everybody, I'm down there. They on the riverfront. They got a rope swing. I'm sitting there. Come on in, couple. Let's swim. I'm like, oh, I can't. My daddy told me not to. It didn't take but about the second time I went swimming. I rode around until I dried off, went home, thought I got away with it. I did that about three times. We're sitting there eating supper. <laughs> See, Jesus wants us to have intimate fellowship. As a matter of fact, I want to show you that. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and him with me. He wants us to have a relationship to where we have intimate 
fellowship. Well, guys, guess what? When you do things you ain't supposed to do with Jesus, it's going to cause the same thing happened to me when I didn't do what my daddy said. We're sitting there eating supper one night, and this is what he told me. Boy, you go swimming in that river. Now I'm old enough to know he wouldn't ask me unless he knew. But when you're 12, 13 years old, I said, no, sir. You sure you ain't been swimming in that river? No, sir, daddy. He didn't say nothing. We got through eating. He said, when you get through, you go put your bike in the shed, and I'm going to lock it. And Don't you ask me for it till I'm willing to give it back to you, and you don't leave the house or the yard because you've been swimming in that river. Boy, I wish he'd have whooped me because that would have been over with. <laughs> About two weeks in, I said, Daddy, can I get my bike back? Another week. You know what? The rest of that summer, not only did I get not to go swimming, but I didn't get to go down there no more. I got a little older. I got a car. You see, choices, decisions we make affect us in our relationship. Man, I decided and figured out I didn't have to always go to school in that car. <laughs> so one day, instead of going to school, I didn't go to school. I went to Hammond Mall about 30 miles away. The mall just came out. That's when malls were new. We're going to go to Hammond Mall. I had two of my buddies went. Man, we hung out all day. Me and Ricky Pace. We in there. We, we hanging out at the mall. We don't think nobody's going to see us. That's how dumb you are when you sin. You think you can get away with it. Man, I come home. The first time we did it, we eating supper. Daddy said, how was school today? Oh, it was good. It was good. Well, what y'all do? Oh, same old thing. Same old thing. So you go to Hammond Mall every day. <laughs> he said, when you get through eating, I want to talk to you. Go to your room. I'm going to tell you what, son. I ate everything on the plate, everything on the table. I was checking the stove out. I was making that meal last. We went in there. He said, give me the keys. I said, that's my car. I worked and paid for it. He said, no, it's my car. When you do what you're supposed to do with it, you can have it back. I didn't drive that car to school for a long time. Consequences. And let me tell you something. When you're sitting at the table, I'm his son. I never have not been his son. I'll always be the son of Huey Cooper. And I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm God's son. I'll always be his son. He bought me. He purchased me. He redeemed me. He paid for me with the blood of Jesus. I'm his. And he sealed me and put his Holy Spirit in me. And to the day of redemption, I'm purchased possession. But I found out when I don't do what I'm supposed to do and I want to live lukewarm and I just want to have a casual relationship with him, I don't want him to be first. I don't want to do what he says to do. I want to live for myself. Me and Jesus don't have as good of a time as we ought to have. How about you? You ever sat at the table when you wish you wasn't part of that family? <laughs> because what? Communion can get broke. That's what he's talking about here. The church today is so lukewarm. We're so far from God that God ain't even in our churches and we're so dead, don't even know it. Friends, listen, you can't live and do everything the world does. You can't act like them and be like them and come here and then have what only he has for his children. He sets the table every Sunday for his children. When we come here, man, ain't it good to eat at the table of the Lord to receive what grace has provided and to be filled with the spiritual nourishment that the Word has, that the Holy Spirit gives, and to be blessed. But have you found out yet when you come here and you've been living a double life it's not real. So what he wants it to be is real. That's why he says, behold, I'm standing at the door. The door of what? The door of your heart. And I'm knocking. He ain't talking about salvation, although this applies to salvation. But he's talking about the church. And he said, and if anyone hears my voice 
What's he saying? Hey, it's me, Jesus. You're not rich. (laughs) You're naked. You're not as good as you think you are. Me and you need to talk. And I'm willing to come if you'll open the door and sit down with you and let's have a meal. Let's have fellowship. Jesus wants to be like that today. Some of us is hearing him for the first time maybe in a while. He loves you. He's calling you to him. If you want to just be like everybody else and be lukewarm, he will never make you change, but he will invite you to allow him in so that he can change you. I'm going to be honest. I had gotten lukewarm. I had gotten really complacent and comfortable here. I had gotten pretty much saying an excuse for everything. Well, I'm like this, Lord, because we're into COVID. We're in the pandemic. We're disrupted. Jesus ain't disrupted. Jesus is not concerned and wondering what he's going to do in the situation that we're in. The political atmosphere of America has nothing to do with the church if we want to be right with God. The consequences and the circumstances of a pandemic and what it's causing has nothing to do with us being in right relationship with God. The reason I found out in my life, 90% of the times when I'm disturbed in my heart, when I'm dissatisfied with my relationship with God, when something seems like it's lacking, something's missing, I begin to look around and I try to find, well, it's the ministry, it's the church, well, it's the, the, the things going on around us, it's the circumstances. But almost every time, you know what I find out? It has nothing to do with what's going on around me. It's happened, it has to mainly and 100% to do with what's not going on within me. I'm not in real communion with Jesus. I'm not praying like I should. I'm not receiving from the word like I should. I'm not hearing his voice. I'm not being guided and directed by him like I should. And I'm just kind of going through the motions to the point I've gotten comfortable and I'm complacent and I'm coasting. And you know what I found? When I'm right with Jesus and I'm connected like the branch to the vine and I don't think it's just me. A lot of you probably know what I'm talking about. The whole world can be like going to hell around me and I'm like, ooh, I got the peace of God. It's beyond understanding. I don't know how I could be comfortable right now. I don't know how I could have peace right now. I don't know how I have hope right now. But everything around me seems to be going totally awry but I'm at peace with God. Friends, listen to this. When I'm not at peace with God, everything can be perfectly the way you want it. Church can be going. It can be growing. I can be getting patted. I can be being told I'm the best pastor we've ever had. Everybody's joining. People's coming. The attendance is increasing. But if I'm not right with God, I'm empty. I'm searching. I'm lacking. I'm wondering what's wrong. I'm not comfortable. But friends, listen, it all boils down to are you sitting at the table with Jesus? Is Jesus where he's supposed to be in your life? Because at the end of the day, all of these messages are for the seven churches and they're all about being right with God. Somebody might say, I don't like these messages, Brother Marvin. I don't like them either. (laughs) You want to like them? Repent. Get right with Jesus. Friends, you say, I don't like what's going on. I don't like a lot of stuff going on either. 
But you know what I've come to find? You repent and get right with Jesus, most everything else takes care of itself. Today, I want to invite you, not just to come to church and say, I went to church, I did my spiritual thing for the week, I've heard the preacher. Evaluate yourself, say, Lord, how long has it been since you knocked on my door? How long has it been since I heard your voice? And if he's speaking to you today, thank God, let him in. Because he wants to love on you some. He wants to help you. Friends, he's the hope that we have of a better tomorrow. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. You know, I hope that this will be a blessing to you. I hope that it will be an opportunity to us to see how easy it is to be lukewarm and not be hot nor cold. Father in heaven, as we take time today to hear your word, Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice, not just words talked about. And if you have spoken, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, the joy to be able to repent and turn to you, to be zealous for you again. And Lord, just as you have shown us through the word that you're coming back, as we read the rest of this book, Lord, it's all about the end times as you bring history to a close. The most important thing at the end of world history is not what country we were from, not where our citizenship lied, but what we did with Jesus. So Lord, today I pray that there's someone who's not saved, who's never been born again, who's never put his trust in Christ for his sins, that he would for the first time confess you publicly and say, I want to accept Christ. I want to trust in what he did for me in the cross. And I want to let him forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. I pray someone would come forward and say, show me how to do that. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, I pray we would want to live saved. That we would want to live hot for Christ. Not lukewarm, not cold, but zealous for him. Just like he's zealous for us. Lord, help us to love you like you have loved us. And to live for you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.
as we close and we get what we move forward from here. You know, we look at these churches. Five out of the seven churches, Jesus said, repent or else. Five out of seven, Jesus found something so condemning that he said, repent. That's your only choice. One out of seven, he didn't have anything that he condemned. Only one out of seven. That he was the faithful church. That he said, you have a little strength. You kept my word. You have not denied my name. You've kept my command to persevere. But we'll sit and act like, I'm confident I'm that one. (laughs) The odds are you're not. (laughs) I looked at that and I'm like, how quickly did we try to okay everything? Friends, listen, if five out of those seven churches needed repentance, there's a lot more people today needing to come to an altar or needing to talk to Jesus than they realize. That's not a bad thing because the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And repentance is a good thing. We look at repent, boy, that's terrible. <laughs> That means i got to quit doing or change. Repentance is a gift only to our children, his children, to come back to him and turn from what led you away from him. Why? So that you can have a real, true relationship with Jesus. Ain't nothing better than waking up in the morning right with Jesus and going to bed at night right with Jesus. That's what he wants us all to have. Why? Because he loves us that much. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Brother Jonathan, would you dismiss us this morning and ask God's blessing over the offering? Father God, I just thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this time of worship that we got to have, Lord. 